The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save. And save and win. Now more college football talk with the king of college football. It's the Chuck Oliver Show on Southern Sports Today. Chuck Oliver's show here on a Wednesday, rolling on, and of course, checking in on all the different bowls going on that involve teams in this region that people have some intrigue about. One of the ones that I think is pretty intriguing is the game we're going to get in Dallas. You've got Missouri, who has had a a remarkably good season, much better than forecast coming out of SEC media days. I'm not even sure people in Columbia, Missouri, in their most optimistic, imagined a year as good as this turned out to be. And you get an Ohio State team that obviously had a really nice record this season, but doesn't win the Michigan game, doesn't win their division, doesn't get to go to the playoff, doesn't get to even play for the Big Ten championship. It's it's an unsatisfying year for a program that does the things that Ohio State can do. So do they view this as just sort of a perfunctory exercise of a bowl game, whereas maybe Missouri's coming in looking to make a statement could make for a really interesting matchup in Dallas and that is where we find Callum McAndrew. He joins us now here on the Chuck Oliver Show. He's down there covering it for the Columbia Daily Tribune. Callum, how are you, man? I'm doing pretty good. Somewhere inside the basement of uh, AT&T Stadium right now. So doing all right. I appreciate you making the time. Let's, let's before we get into the matchup itself, just look at what has happened since the end of the year. And Missouri... Mm-hmm does not typically recruit at a top 10 to 15 level, and they still didn't, but they did recruit in the 20s, which is much higher out of high school than a typical Mizzou class has been, even under Drinkwitz, who has upgraded their recruiting. They also are are having success in the portal. How tangible are you seeing the effects of what this season is as as Drinkwitz tries to really build off of it? Yeah, uh, I think you just have to look at sort of the the seven days leading into National Early Signing Day there where – yeah, their class didn't end up in, in the top 10, but they were recruiting at a top 10 level in those seven days. You know, they brought in a couple of four stars and Courtney Crutchfield went into the state of their, their meanest rivals in the SEC and took players out from their rivals' noses. They went to the transfer portal and took a, a really talented freshman offensive tackle from Oklahoma. They, they were recruiting really, really highly, and that is all part and parcel of the season that they just had uh, and where they currently are here in Dallas. It's... It, it, we're, we're seeing uh, the, the uptick in recruiting that, you know, a 10-win season ought to bring. When you have success like they've had, one of the challenges sometimes could also be holding on to their staff. It wasn't necessarily as high-profile a move as some moves people made in the SEC, but Drinkwitz did bring in more, let him have control of the offense in a way that people weren't necessarily sure an offensive guy like Drinkwitz would be willing to do. Uh, can they hold on to him? Well, uh, Kirby Moore just signed a, a contract extension, so uh, we haven't got the details of that that just yet. But both their coordinators, Kirby Moore and Blake Baker, rumored to you know to have had offers elsewhere. They're both signed on. Um, those those details should be open to the public sometime soon. Um, but yeah, that's I think that's one of the, one of the biggest wins and and a whole host of wins that they've had in the past sort of couple of weeks. That's probably the biggest one that they could have managed. Yeah, because that's the thing. Even when you get an announcement, I mean, Denbrock, for example, at LSU. 
LSU supposedly had a, a deal done, and then next thing you know, he's in Notre Dame. So, uh, But at least you feel like they are going to hold on to their guys because, again, this staff did a, a heck of a job. I mean, if I had told you, Caleb, before the season, hey, man, December 27th, if we talk, you're going to be in Dallas for the Cotton Bowl, would you have believed me or would you have said I'm all hopped up on goofballs? Uh, no, that, that, I think you might have been committed. Um, I mean, yeah, that's... that's uh, wouldn't have, wouldn't have believed, me, believed you if you told me. I think I said that the, the ceiling was about eight wins for this team. So even I, even I couldn't have seen it coming. And yet here you are. And so uh, looking at what they've done this year, how much of it can they carry over into next year? This year, for better or worse, maybe they had a little bit of the advantage of surprise. I mean, even before the season, sure. it wasn't absolutely certain that Brady Cook was going to be the starting quarterback, although it was pretty right. clear Drinkwitz favored him. Uh, we didn't know if he could stay healthy and have an effective year like he did. Seeing what you're seeing and knowing what they've got coming back and what they've done, can they do this and sustain it for another year? Because if they have, then we're talking about a possible playoff team. Absolutely, and I think that that is now where the expectations are in Colombia, especially with the with the playoff expanding to 12 teams. They're they're maybe looking at potentially hosting a game. Um, they've got so many pieces coming back on the offense. They've got Brady Cook for another year. They've got Luther Burton coming back. They have the core of their uh, the. Uh, Losing a couple of guys along the offensive line, but apart from that, still a, a pretty decent retention rate. As far as we know, they're keeping all their coaches. They're doing some damage in the transfer portal, bringing in experienced guys uh, at positions of need, positions that they know they're going to lose players to the draft. Um, it, it's a pretty exciting time to be in Colombia. There's certainly a lot of momentum. And the schedule next season, I don't think a lot of people are going to call that the toughest schedule in the league. I mean, they've got trips to College Station in Tuscaloosa. But beyond that, it looks like a lot of games that they very well could be favoured in. So a lot of momentum. Uh, I think now is the time, if you're Missouri, that you push all your chips to the middle of the table, hit the portal as hard as you can, try and bring as many of these guys back as you can because next year really is shaping up to be the year. Yeah, I was talking about Ole Miss earlier, but I I think what you said about Missouri is equally true. You got two programs here that have really strong seasons this year, and both of them of the SEC 16 schedules, I would argue they got the two best draws of anybody in the SEC for next year. So absolutely, it feels like you're not going to get years like this every year in Columbia. You better go all in on it. It sounds like they are. Agreed. Uh, I think think – like you said with Ole Miss, I think these two teams maybe smell a little bit of blood um, with the schedule that they have. I, th- I think you're seeing both of them really, uh, really hedge their bets this year. Really, uh, really going for it. Callum McAndrews with us from the Columbia Daily Tribune here on the Chuck Oliver Show. He's covering Missouri and Dallas. Uh, Callum, they did pick up one kid just here in the last 24 hours. Uh, Chris McClellan, another yeah. SEC player coming over from Gainesville. How much does that address a need for them? It, it definitely does. You look, they've uh, rotated four guys primarily at defensive tackle this year. They're going to be returning two of them, Christian Williams and Jaden Dernigan. Not fit, uh, they haven't announced that yet, but they do have another year of eligibility, so I'd be surprised to see them go. But that does mean that they're losing two of their two of their uh, core players at tackle. So that's certainly an area they needed to address. And I think that you look at who was recruiting this guy out in Portal. I think this is a this is going to be a, a, a pretty uh, useful pickup for them. One of the guys that they got as a transfer that nobody saw coming was Schrader, obviously, and, and the job that he's done for them coming from D2 is is incredible. Realistically, how much of their success comes from that, that you can evaluate and find a guy like that? Because it's great if you can get a big-name transfer from a place like Gainesville, 
But if they can find that kind of kid and get that kind of kid into Missouri, honestly, that feels more practical for them to not that you're going to always find a guy that hits like that guy did. Sure. But if you could find that kind of player that turns out to be a useful SEC guy, boy, that feels like maybe the path for them more than you're in, you're out being able to be the big wallet at the table. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you can't overstate how important Cody Schrader has been to this football team either. I mean, just the story alone, I think, has, has people willing to want to run through walls for him. You know, um, the, the the job he's done has been has exceeded any expectation that were even remotely possible at the start of his uh, when he walked on to Missouri. Um, that you know, losing him is going to be a big deal. Um, that, that they'll struggle to replace the production that they had. But they've, they've brought in Marcus Carroll um, from Georgia State, who all Sunbelt first-teamer. So I think that's really who they're, they're, they're going to hedge their bets on. I think that's who they're looking to, to replace that production next season. And look, Georgia State has been kind of a funnel for a lot of programs for sure. talent. Uh, Sean Elliott's program, uh, Jamari Thrash at Louisville this year, as other places, a lot of people have come there to find quality pieces that have helped in other spots. All right, so to the game itself, Callum, uh, you've obviously got a chance to be there now, get a little bit of a scene uh, as to kind of how they are, how Ohio State's looking. You mentioned Marvin Harrison uh, there but not working out and certainly not expected to play for Ohio State. Just from what you can tell so far, does Ohio State seem to be taking this game as an important priority for what you're hearing from their beat writers? Do they seem dialed in, or is this more of a, eh, we're contractually obligated to be here, so we're here? I, I, I do not think it's the latter. I think they are. Take, I mean, you look at some of the guys who are projected to be to be going in the draft come April, are suiting up for them. I was surprised actually by how many how many players they do have there working out in full pads and helmets. Um, uh, whether they're taking the game as seriously as Missouri, I mean, this is this is the biggest game in in, in a decade for for Mizzou. Um, whether it's, it's quite at that level remains to be seen, but it's tough to tell where we only get to see 15 minute periods of, of, of practice and that's mostly stretching and warming up so it's uh that's that's a little little tough to gauge where the the effort level is and where where everyone's heads are at during that but hey they're all there uh, apart from marvin harrison it, lo- it looks like they're they're going to be bringing a pretty pretty full strength squad to dallas and obviously devin brown gets the start at quarterback who's known more for his legs mccord was the starter all year but brown was a guy that they were intrigued by there was at least a chance he could have been the starter from what you can tell, how much does that change who they are and how does Missouri match up with a guy like that, assuming he does use his legs more than maybe McCord did in their offense? As far as Missouri goes, I, I can, I'm probably a little bit more equipped to answer that one just because how little we've, we've seen of Iowa State this week so far. Just Missouri has struggled uh, defending that at times. You look at the LSU game, that is where they got burned against uh, Jaden Daniels. They, they really took that game in in the fourth quarter, but it was Daniels' legs that, that really, really killed them down the stretch. It's been a problem area for Missouri so far this season in a, in a season that really there haven't been too many problem areas but that that has been one of them i would expect ohio state to turn that out a little bit just because it is something that they've, they've struggled to stop at times last couple of minutes here with callum mcandrew from dallas uh, looking at missouri so callum let's assume again minus harrison you get you get a fully engaged mentally sharp ohio state team but with brown at quarterback in your mind then how do they match up with missouri can the tigers get this done I think they can. I think, I mean, if you, if you just looking at what Missouri is bringing to the table here, um, I think this is about as, as motivated they've been for a game all season long. The, 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 the feather in the cap of this year would be beating one of the Blue Bloods. They, they couldn't get it done against Georgia and LSU earlier in the year. They've got a chance here against Ohio State, who 
realistically might not be completely at full strength. They might not send all their, their stars out for every single rep. Um, I, I like Missouri's chances in this game. I think people have underestimated them quite a, uh, quite a lot all season. I think it's continuing into this week a little bit. Um, I, I wouldn't be uh, wouldn't be surprised to see a Tigers win. It's going to be a fun one. I appreciate you giving us some time from down there, Callum. Thanks for making time for us here on the Chuck Oliver Show. Thank you. There you go. Callum McAndrew, again, you can check him out. Columbia Daily Tribune is where you can see his work on their webpage or in person if you are there in Missouri. And, yeah, that that game... I'm glad that it sounds like Ohio State is going to be interesting. And you wish they had their starting quarterback just because that does feel like it's kind of a radical change to have to make it the bowl game. But who knows? It could be a surprise element that you just don't have much tape on Devin Brown. And so maybe Ryan Day can use him in some different ways and give Missouri trouble. But I, I really like this matchup. Again, the, the spread on it's very tight. Uh, it is a game that could be a lot of fun. So we, some of these bowl games this year yeah, haven't been real good. Some of the matchups haven't been real exciting. But uh, this is one from the moment you saw. You said, boy, that one, that one could have some intrigue to it. That's for sure. We continue college football talk all year, every single week of the year, 52 weeks worth here on the Chuck Oliver Show. Chuck Oliver Show on Southern Sports Today. Rolling on here on the Chuck Oliver Show. Heath Klein in for Chuck today. Chuck will be back next week, like a lot of you joining. A little uh, downtime here in the holiday week, but to certainly keep it a close eye on everything CFB, you'll have all kinds of opinions coming your way on Tuesday next week. We will check in on Oklahoma, another team that's is starting a new quarterback and, and beginning a new era there. We'll get some thoughts on that. Plus, the last football game the Sooners play before they become a member of the SEC. We'll check in on them coming up in about 15 minutes here on the Chuck Oliver Show. Uh, interesting move by Wisconsin that affects an SEC program. Wisconsin hiring away Kenny Guyton from Arkansas. Uh, Guyton was the guy that took over as the offensive coordinator when they had to fire Dan Enos with about a month to go in the season. And it did seem like he improved things at least a little bit. But obviously, Bobby Petrino comes in from the outside. And so uh, the thought is that with Petrino coming in, uh, maybe it makes sense to move on. Uh, That's a staff that either the Petrino move makes it work and Sam Pittman holds on for another year, or if it doesn't, then there's a really good chance that that staff gets blown up either way. Now, maybe it gets blown up to make Petrino coach. Certainly, there'd be plenty of people there in Fayetteville if he has even decent success this year that would probably endorse that notion anyway. But if you're Guyton and you have a chance to get with a staff that is relatively new and back into Big Ten country and a guy in Luke Fickle that you have worked with, very familiar with, with the Ohio State ties, uh, that makes a lot of sense. So, uh, Kenny Guyton goes to Wisconsin as the wide receiver coach. And now we'll see exactly what Arkansas does with that wide receiver spot. Because if you remember, one of the issues that Petrino had big time in his last head coaching stint at Louisville was that by the time he was done, most of the people on his staff were either people who had family ties or people who really could not get other opportunities that basically the best they could do was work for Bobby Petrino. 
So we'll see whether or not he can go out there and get somebody who's a well-regarded wide receiver coach to come in and be involved in that situation. It would not be a shock if that was a more challenging job to fill than at least on paper you would think an SEC wide receivers coach job would be because Petrino has a well-earned reputation for being a challenging dude to work with. Uh, One guy to keep an eye on in the transfer portal that I think we all kind of believed we would have an answer on as to where he was going is Will Howard, the quarterback from K-State. Remember, he visited out in L.A., and that was when the word came that Malachi Nelson was transferring out because, okay, the thought had been Caleb Williams, one more season, Malachi Nelson, highly touted quarterback, no worse than number two in most people's lists of prospects in the last class, He spends the one year apprenticing under Caleb Williams, and then boom, he moves into the starting lineup for the next two or three years. And instead, it was clear that whatever Lincoln Riley needed to see that would make him comfortable with that process, he wasn't seeing it. And so here he is looking to bring in a transfer. So Nelson hits the portal, and everybody just assumed, okay, the Will Howard commitment will be coming soon. And then soon turn into a week, and a week's turn into two. And now today... Will Howard, according to Pete Nekos of On3, is still evaluating what his possibilities are. And the destinations that are possible for him do include the Trojans, but also Ohio State or just going to the NFL. Now, I will just say I have no idea about Will Howard and whether he's a guy who enjoys school and and wants to spend another year in the college lifestyle or whether he's just kind of over it because sometimes – Guys go pro and people say, you know, why is that guy going? He's not going to be a high pick. Sometimes guys are just ready to go. So if you're Will Howard and, and that's where you are, you aren't just looking for a change. You've kind of realized you're you're just over it with college football and you want to see whatever your future is. If you have one in the pros and and you don't see a path where you can get yourself to be a first round pick with playing another year somewhere. If that's where you are, then that's OK. It's your life, your business. Go for it. But. In a year that is loaded with high-end draft talent at the quarterback spot compared to some other years, I I would not think that that would be the right move for him if he is basing his choice on what is best for his NFL future. That would not be my advice in that circumstance that you should uh, jump into the NFL draft pool this particular year. Uh, I'd be real surprised if that was a great move for him if he chose to make it, but we'll see. But if you're the Trojans... Just the fact that that job has been there for him. I mean, Lincoln Riley is the guy who makes Heisman quarterbacks happen, right? He came into Oklahoma immediately. Heisman quarterbacks or Heisman candidate quarterback. In the case of Jalen Hurts, you go with Caleb Williams. You put him in there. Boom, Heisman trophy. Going to be the number one pick of the draft this year. Like selling being a quarterback for Lincoln Riley is supposed to be the easiest thing in the world. And here you've got a guy from Kansas State, and he's not even sure if he wants to stay in college, that he wants to go with you. Now, admittedly, Ohio State does a nice job, too. Ryan Day has obviously had some success sending guys to the NFL in recent years. But Lincoln Riley, that's supposed to be the guy, the can't-miss guy. If you're the Trojans and you paid the money you paid for Lincoln Riley and you don't even see him being able to for sure close the deal with a transfer quarterback like that, I, you do have to be wondering, geez, did, did we just did we just blow this? Did we just 
completely misevaluate who Lincoln Riley is as a coach and think that because he was a really effective offensive coach that took over a program that already had a built culture and, and lengthy success under Bob Stoops, that because he was good there, he knew how to rebuild a culture and have success here. Did we just get this totally wrong? And the answer might be yes. I, I would not have guessed in a million years that it would be looking like this two years in with Lincoln Riley. I mean, even if you allow for the idea that he was too loyal to his defensive coordinator, that doesn't explain the number of kids that have jumped in the portal. That doesn't explain those comments that got made uh, in the athletic article kind of doing an autopsy of what went so wrong in 2023. That doesn't explain the comments in there about uh, guys just sort of playing for themselves and having a mentality kind of like a, an AAU team in basketball rather than being a group that was trying to come together and coalesce. That doesn't explain any of that just because you had a bad defensive coordinator. And I just wonder where they go if this doesn't happen. He'll, he'll find somebody to play quarterback and probably a guy with talent to have a chance to be pretty good. But he's competing now in a different league that has a, a whole different set of challenges the Trojans still will have better raw materials than the vast majority of the conference that they play in, but you're going to have more travel issues, and you're going to play more teams that are just flat-out physical. What's the team in the Pac-12 that has consistently given them the most trouble over the last few years? It's been Utah. Why? Because of how physical Utah is. That's a style that frequently the Trojans have not responded well to. How many teams in the Big Ten are a lot more similar to Utah than what the Trojans have seen week in, week out. And now if you don't have Caleb Williams to be the deodorant that could cover up some of the other smells coming from issues in your program, it might not work, man. And I, I would have never guessed that we could be this early into Lincoln Riley's tenure and genuinely questioning whether or not it's going to work. I, I just I hadn't even thought about it. I just assumed Will Howard had, yeah, he's going to go to L.A. Why wouldn't you? The fact they haven't closed that deal gets your attention. All right, Oklahoma, speaking of Lincoln Riley and his former stop, they're feeling pretty good about where they are moving forward with Brent Venables as they head towards the SEC. We check in in Norman straight ahead here on the Chuck Oliver Show. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save, and save and win. When you buy a used car, don't be taken for a ride. Get Ford Blue Advantage certified at Wade Ford, Atlanta's headquarters for factory certified pre-owned vehicles. Go to wadeford.com. There you'll find a great selection of Ford Blue Advantage certified used cars, trucks, and SUVs. With Blue certified, nearly all makes and all models are in stock now. You'll find something perfect for just about any budget. Buy with confidence at the Wade Ford factory certified used car outlet at wadeford.com. Wade Ford, we are Atlanta's Ford dealer. 
Catch the king of college football no matter where you go with a new Southern Sports Today app. Catch the best college football conversation in the South everywhere with the SST live stream and daily podcast. Downloaded now at the App Store and the Google Play Store. Now more of the best college football talk in the country. It's the Chuck Oliver Show. Wednesday on the Chuck Oliver Show. Heath Klein in for Chuck today. And right now we head out to Norman, Oklahoma. That's where Tyler McComas holds it down in the afternoon on KREF. And where, of course, they will have great interest in what will be the final game for Oklahoma outside of the SEC as they get ready to head into the conference. How are they feeling about where things are for that? Interesting game, too. Top 15 matchup with them in Arizona. And so we want to check in on the Sooners. Tyler, how are you, man? Good. It's funny that you mentioned the last ever Big 12 game because, or at least as a member of the Big 12, our listeners have been joking for over a few weeks now. Can we just play with the SEC patch on our jerseys already? Can we just go ahead and do it? What's the Big 12 going to do if you don't wear the Big 12 patch for the bowl game? So, yeah, everyone's ready for the SEC around here for sure. It's not necessarily the bowl game that they wanted. It's, it's San Antonio, which is not a bad city, but it's not where they were maybe aiming for, maybe thinking the Cotton Bowl would be uh, where they would wind up. But again, it's an intriguing matchup. An Arizona team that had way better of a season than anybody could have imagined. Uh, exciting athlete, a quarterback, some nice players, a receiver. So an intriguing matchup. I- I'm curious, if you had told your audience before the season, knowing what last year was, if you'd said 10-2, and two, a win against Texas, but not a conference title. Will you take the deal? Do you think they would have signed up for this? I don't think everyone would have. I think it would have been pretty mixed. Um, When we talked before the year, it was, all right, let's start talking about expectations. And when we talk about expectations, 10 has to be the floor. Like that's where the conversation has to start for this to be a successful season. Now that might sound crazy. Like you said, they were six and seven a year ago with the first year head coach. But here was the real reason, Heath, why I and many others thought that 10 wins was really kind of the floor to be able to call this a successful season is that, man, when we looked at this schedule before the year, we kind of looked at it and said, is this the weakest schedule in, in program history? And you didn't end up playing a whole lot of top 25 teams this year. Kansas ended up being, what, a nine-win team this year. Oklahoma State ended up being a better team than what we thought. But for the most part, it just wasn't a it, it wasn't a great schedule. So, yeah, I, I don't think everyone would have taken that. That Texas win was, was huge at the time, for sure, and it still kind of is. But the fact that you didn't make the big championship game, you didn't make the Big 12 championship and your final year of the conference, I, I think that would have probably led to some people said, no, I, they, they probably wouldn't have taken the deal, to be quite honest with you. Before the season, I always go out to Vegas and, and take a look at the various win totals and just try to see if there's something that – uh, maybe gets my attention. I normally do fairly well, it seems, at, at picking out some that could go a little higher, a little lower. Not perfect, but I do okay. And I got to be honest, when I saw before the season, Oklahoma 9.5 was the number in Vegas, I said, wait, really? Because yeah, I'm already thinking, I'm like, well, Texas is probably an L. You're telling me that, that Vegas is seeing this, and they're thinking, since most people would have before the season said Texas is an L, that they're going to basically just about run the table on the rest of them? Because Vegas doesn't give out free money. And so I, I start looking. I'm like, wow, even for a six-win team, yeah, this, this this does set up in a way they could have a much bigger year than maybe 
random people that don't follow the day in day out would have guessed. And and like you say, they they lived up to it by getting to ten, but it, it definitely was uh, kind of unusual how they got there. I don't know that many people would have guessed win Texas but lose Bedlam, for example. And I definitely don't think people would have guessed UCF, for example, turns into the kind of more interesting than it needed to be game than it was. So so what do we make of the full body of work for the Sooners this year? Well, I mean, you walk out of Dallas thinking, oh, my gosh, like this team, they're the best in the Big 12. That's a huge win over Texas. And look at the rest of the schedule. They're halfway through the season. They've got the easiest path to the college football playoff out of any team that's out there. And the ESPN FBI for the next few weeks reflected that as well. You know, you just you got through the first half of the season saying, this is it. Like, is OU one of the best four teams in the country? Probably not. But do they have the easiest path to the playoff? Yeah, probably so. So there was a lot of disappointment the way that the season ended. And, yeah, they hit that Vegas over. They they get to 10 wins. But you just didn't end the year feel like you're playing your best football. You know, you, you blow out TCU, but the defense just had one of its worst games of the year. You were kind of dead to rights at BYU until you get a 100-yard pick six the other way or you might lose that game. It just never felt like this team, after that big win over Texas, really hit on all cylinders. And Brent, even going, Brent Venables, even going to the final game of the year, kind of voiced some, you know, voiced some disappointment saying, you know, I just don't feel like this team ever played its best game or the game that I feel that they're capable of doing. And maybe they'll do it tomorrow night in the Alamo Bowl, but I don't think anyone's looking at this, Heath, as a, ah, this was a terrible season. It was a massive disappointment. But I think when we look back to this year, we'll probably say, man, what a missed opportunity because you were 6-0. and You had one of, if not the best wins in the country. And not only did you not make the playoff, you didn't make a New Year's Six Bowl game, and heck, you didn't even make the conference championship, and now you're left with an in-state loss against a team that you may not play for a long time, and it's not going to be fun being an OU fan living in Oklahoma, not playing Oklahoma State for a long time, and, and, and they have scoreboard over you. So were there some great moments this year? Absolutely. But, man, it's hard to look at this year and not say, there were some missed opportunities. There were some things that were left on the table. Tyler McCobos with us from KREF in Norman, Oklahoma, looking at the Sooners again. As he mentioned, they've got the game tomorrow in San Antonio with Arizona. It'll be the debut of Dale Arnold as the quarterback. And uh, look, obviously there's a lot of people that are intrigued by this. Dylan Gabriel is moving on and he's on his way to Oregon. So uh, just like we talked about earlier in the program today, Tennessee's going to get the look at their kind of shining star that's supposed to be their future what is Oklahoma getting with Arnold? I know they've seen a little more of him than Tennessee's seen of their guy, but what are they getting here with Arnold? Uh, a guy that can move around and make plays with his feet. Um, early in the year, they, they really tried to get him involved in the offense because, they, I mean, they, they made it known before the year that this is going to happen. Uh, I mean, Jeff Levy at the time, who was the offensive coordinator, two weeks before the season is calling Jackson Arnold the future of the program. So I know some people were stunned nationally. Oh, my gosh, Dylan Gabriel's first team all Big 12, and he's hitting the portal, and he's going to Oregon. What's what's going on in Oklahoma? That was always in the plans. That was in the plans before the season, and that was in the plans because they feel so strongly about Jackson Arnold. Um, he's got big-time arm strength. He can move around, make plays with his feet. Like I was saying, they had a package for him earlier in the year uh, to to use his playmaking ability with his legs. He's just kind of – 
that's kind of what you're looking for, man. I, he, he's he's a five-star, five-star in every sense of the word. So I, I just think that his ceiling is incredibly high. His ceiling is definitely higher than Dylan Gabriel, especially when you're talking about arm strength down the field. Um, there's a lot of people excited to watch this, and he got thrown into the second half. He played the entirety of the second half at BYU in a game that was tied at halftime after Gabriel went out with a concussion, missed some throws, but also made some really impressive throws on some key crucial third downs. So he just kind of seems like he's just kind of the total package at quarterback. And, man, with, with the new OC tomorrow and Seth Luttrell, who was at North Texas a couple of years ago, I don't think that you're going to see a game plan where they really lean on the run game and make it simple enough for Jackson Arnold. In an Alamo Bowl, I think that they're going to be super aggressive and let him throw it down the field and attack Arizona uh, in the middle of the field, down the field, and everything else. So you're going to get to see a, for SEC fans, the LSU, South Carolina, Ole Miss, teams that OU play next year, you're going to get a really good glimpse tomorrow night into what the OU offense is going to look like next year. By the way, my apologies because my brain helpfully served up Dale Arnold, the former WEEI Boston talk show host. <laughs> I am confident that Jackson Arnold will do a much better job than Dale Arnold would, would in his so. 60s if I you asked him to so. run the Oklahoma offense. That, that would not be a good idea. Do not, do not put Dale Arnold on the field. The man is, is far too old for that. But uh, Jackson Arnold certainly is subject to much intrigue. You mentioned Levy. We've got people who listen to this show all around the southeast. So uh, for folks in Mississippi that are still trying to figure out what he is going to be as a head coach, for folks who are curious about the new guy in the conference of head man, you had a chance to observe him firsthand over the last couple of years. What is Mississippi State getting there with him? They're getting a guy that, um, boy, he was highly controversial around here. And it really, the controversy really started this year when, and I'm sure you guys know this, his father-in-law is Art Bryles, and Art Bryles was spotted on the field after a, a game earlier in the year. That caused a lot of drama. That caused a lot of OU fans to really think negatively of him uh the jet sweep is really made fun of around here because uh jeff levy or as they call him around here now jet levy because of the jet sweep really liked to run that play didn't work a lot this year but he had some really good moments i mean he really did um he he likes to throw the deep ball man there, there's no doubt about that you watch ou games this year they were aggressive down the field throwing the deep ball he likes the quarterback run dylan gabriel was extremely involved in the run game this year I believe in that Texas game, he had over uh, 100 yards. So what is Mississippi State getting as a head coach? They're getting a head coach who I think is going to be extremely aggressive offensively. He's going to find matchups down the field that he likes. He's going to try to exploit that. But um, whoever Mississippi State has starting at QB next year, I would expect them to be very involved in the run game because you saw it at OU. Heck, you, you saw it at Ole Miss when he was there. Quarterback run game is a is a very big part of his offense. So over the last two years, really the storyline in both Austin and in Norman has been, is this program ready for the SEC? You had a couple of years to ramp up, to adjust whatever you think personnel-wise you need to to compete in a 16-team SEC versus the Big 12. I'll just ask you, knowing what you know of this team right now, what they're bringing in in the signing class, the portal and whatnot, is this program ready for what they see when you look at that schedule they got for 2024? Well, it's so I just said, you know, going into last year, you look at that schedule and said it could be the easiest in program history. Well, I'm looking at this one next year in the SEC. I think it could be the toughest in, in program history. Road games at Auburn, at Ole Miss, at LSU, at Missouri as well. 
home games against Alabama, Tennessee, South Carolina, of course, Texas and Dallas. And we'll see what happens at LSU, right? We'll see if Missouri can have a similar team as they had this year. So there's some wild cards in there. But I, I think that they are like, is OU ready today to compete with Alabama and Georgia? No, I don't. I, I don't think that they're ready to do that. Are they ready today to compete with Ole Miss, with Auburn, even LSU without Jaden Daniels? I, I think so, and, and I think that they could be more talented than um, a, a lot of those teams that are on the SEC schedule next year. The real question, Heath, is are they ready for that week-to-week grind? You know, and, and that's that's a big thing with me because let, let, let's look at the Texas game this year. It was your sixth game of the season. You had a really soft non-conference and you got to play Iowa State at home before you played your biggest game of the year. And after that game, after the Texas game, you got a bye, but then you got to play UCF. Like, you kind of get the point here. You have easy schedule or easy games before your biggest game and a really light team after your biggest game as well. That's, that's not the case. What, what is OU opens up with uh, Tennessee at home? at Auburn and then Texas for a three-game stretch, and then they end the year with Alabama at home and at LSU, like just on its own, I think that they're ready to compete with any team in the SEC, not named Alabama and Georgia. But when you combine that week-to-week grind, it's going to be different. It's going to be difficult. And I'm really intrigued to see what the Vegas over-under is for OU going into the year. If I had to guess, and it's purely a guess, I would probably say eight, eight and a half. But that week-to-week grind is going to be something different that they haven't faced in man, in, in a long, long time, for sure. Arizona's a slight favorite in the bowl in San Antonio. Do you think the Sooners get it done? Man, they, they got to play a lot better defensively than what they've had these past two games. I, I'm going to pick OU in a close one. I, I do think that there is some advantage that Arizona hasn't seen much Jackson Arnold, so, so there's a bit of an advantage for you. Um, I'll, I'll say OU wins a close one just because they play better defensively, and I think they'll play better defensively because they're as healthy as they've been all year long, which is big. But this is this is kind of a big game for offseason, uh, for momentum in the offseason moving forward. 11-2 and two sounds a whole lot better than 10-3. and three. I think it's going to be a fun, high-scoring game. This Arizona team is good, one of the hottest teams in the country, Heath, and they want to be at this bowl game, which is one of the biggest factors for any team in a bowl game. Their give a rip meter is high, but I think OU's is as well with who they have coming back, who they have playing in this game to get to 11. I'll give OU a really close win by a field goal, and I I think that this is going to be maybe the most fun uh, non-New Year Six slash playoff game that's out there. Yeah, I think a lot of people probably haven't seen as much of Arizona this year, and they're a fun team, absolutely. They're an interesting team to watch, no doubt. Tyler McComas, you can check him out on KREF in Norman whenever you are there and checking out the Sooners and online as well. Tyler, appreciate you making the time for us today here on the Chuck Oliver Show. You bet, anytime, Pete. Again, take a look at some of the bowls. There's some intriguing stuff. And, yes, Jackson, that's Jackson Arnold, not Dale Arnold. Jackson Arnold is the quarterback. Absolutely a big storyline for not just the short term, but next year in 24, the SEC is going to see him a whole bunch. So fun, intriguing game there in San Antonio. Uh, Coming up, we have a couple of little foibles from the bowls. Again, it's the holiday season. Sometimes people get caught a little shorthanded. We'll tell you about a couple of fun ones from the last day or two and put the wraps in this edition of the Chuck Oliver Show right after this.
more college football talk with the king of college football. It's the Chuck Oliver Show on Southern Sports Today. For us in year two, you just see like the depth of how hard guys, you know, how bad they want it through their, how hard they play and just the execution, um, you know, in those big moments. And they've done a great job. And it's, it's, there's a lot of familiarity, but it's two different teams that playing at a higher level than what we were at a year ago, for sure. That is the voice of Kalen DeBoer, head coach of Washington, who, by the way, I, I really do wonder how many how many fans really know him. You know, you think about some of the other coaches in this sport where they're kind of quasi-celebrities in their own right. Obviously, you've got some like Saban and Dabo that won multiple championships, and they're there, but even the guy on the other sidelines and Steve Sarkeesian, who's never won anything of particular importance before this season and winning the big 12 and making the playoff. He's a guy that was still kind of a household name for years before this year. Kalen DeBoer, if you lined up five guys wearing headsets that were all kind of similar age to Kalen DeBoer and asked even pretty hardcore college football fans, Hey, pick, pick out which one of those guys is Kalen DeBoer. I don't know if 10% get it right. I mean, he he really is. For a guy who is competing at the level he is and who has done the things he's done, a hugely impressive body of work as a coach, he's still managed to stay kind of below the radar for most people. Dan Lanning, people around here obviously know from his Georgia tenure, but even at Oregon, if all you know is him at Oregon, he's been really visible and and kind of a guy that the cameras find on the sidelines because he's all intense. DeBoer just kind of is is the invisible man in some ways, but he's a heck of a football coach. That's him talking about Texas, because don't forget, these two teams matched up last year in the Alamo Bowl. Very different circumstances, certainly, than this time around, but uh, there is some familiarity there with those two teams, and we'll see how that winds up playing out in this game coming up on Monday. All right, so just a couple of quick little nuggets to have a little bit of fun on the way out the door. Uh, Yesterday... The folks at SMU were hosting the bowl game that is the First Responders Bowl. Uh, They were doing that, and it was at Gerald Ford Stadium on the SMU campus. The crowd for the game between uh, Texas State and uh, who was it the other side? Oh, Rice, Rice from uh, down in Houston. Uh, The crowd for that game was the biggest crowd that they had for any game all year. Texas State fans came in in such big numbers in particular that they literally outdrew SMU for a single game in their stadium. I know that the ACC is excited about the idea of adding a Texas market with Dallas and doing it without having to give them any share of the money for nine years. That does drive home how big the gap is that they need to make up in fan support. Now, again, maybe being in the ACC, having more exciting home games and just establishing we're competing, maybe that will grow that crowd But the facts are, while they've got a lot of rich supporters, SMU is still a private school in a ritzy section of Dallas. They don't have a giant fan base in the area outside of just alums and and a few core uh, supporters. So can they grow that? That stood out to me that there was a bigger crowd last night with 26,000 announced for the game last night. Uh, But then on top of that, maybe because they hadn't had a crowd like that all year, uh uh-oh, beer. We're low on beer. Oh, no, we're out of beer. They ran out of beer five minutes into the third quarter in that game last night. And this turned into a bona fide crisis for people who were there. Like, there's photos online of people hoarding the beer, like six, seven beers, like buying them up. Uh, you know, we're talking aluminum bottles of 
uh, American domestic beer at the kind of prices that they charge in a stadium for American domestic beer. And people are acting like those six bottles are pure gold. So they, they got hit and they got hit hard last night. People were they were not ready for the intensity of the Texas State fans in particular when it came time to getting in there and having some beverages. And speaking of maybe somebody who had one too many beers also from Dallas, Ohio State, of course, as we mentioned earlier in the program, taking on Missouri. Now, Ohio State has played in the Fiesta Bowl quite a few times. So maybe this was just a case of doing something out of habit. I don't know. But for better or worse, when Ohio State landed, their social media sent out the following on Ohio State FB on Twitter. Quote, arrive for the showdown in the desert. And they literally were retweeting the Cotton Bowl classic. So they they knew it was the Cotton Bowl. Arrive for the showdown in the desert. Dallas is many things, but a desert it is not. So hopefully the Buckeyes' actual football team is maybe a little more dialed in for this game than it turns out the social media team was. Or, again, maybe the social media team got themselves a handful of domestic beers and got a little wacky and didn't know what they were doing when they went to post. All right, that is today's edition of the Chuck Oliver Show. Tomorrow we'll have another set of bowl results to look back on, more games to preview as we continue to get closer to the biggest ones coming up this weekend. Big thanks to you for hanging out with us today. And, of course, thanks to all our guests. Thanks to Ryan Hopper for producing this program. Don't forget, you can always follow us. Chuck Oliver Show is the handle on social media. And mine is Heath Radio if you want to send me something saying, it's Jackson Arnold, not Dale Arnold, stupid. Heath Radio on Twitter. Thanks for hanging out. We'll catch you tomorrow. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves. And people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY. And there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required. And they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save. And save and win. When you buy a used car, don't be taken for a ride. Get Ford Blue Advantage certified at Wade Ford, Atlanta's headquarters for factory certified pre-owned vehicles. Go to wadeford.com. There you'll find a great selection of Ford Blue Advantage certified used cars, trucks, and SUVs with Blue certified. Nearly all makes and all models are in stock now. You'll find something perfect for just about any budget. Buy with confidence at the Wade Ford factory certified used car outlet at wadeford.com. Wade Ford, we are Atlanta's Ford dealer. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com.